and welcome to Point of Origin, episode 48, the podcast where Michael Shanks gets a chance to show off his amazing acting, but at what cost? The cost of my memory, apparently, because <laughs> I, uh, I used to, I remember loving this episode, and don't get me wrong, he's good in it, but he's kind of the only thing in it that is any good. It's just, no, actually, it's just kind of a weirdly long, drawn-out episode that I don't care for. Okay, okay, what are two good things? Michael Shanks and a lot of Peter DeLuise's shots. Okay, I will give you that one because I do love Peter DeLuise, and I will kind of look for any opportunity to compliment him as well, so Yeah, there's bye. that one shot near the end of the episode that's, like, ingrained into my brain. That one where he's laying down on the floor and it, like, zooms in on him. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's a good shot. Yeah, no, I, no you're not wrong. Peter DeLuise does actually know what he's doing. <laughs> and it does kind of show... It shows more than others because others... Um, oftentimes I'll catch myself just kind of saying, yeah, it's too bad that the best thing I can say about them is that they're displaying basic competence. <laughs> um, he, he, he does that, and then he also actually manages to squeeze in some good stuff on top of yeah, that. Yeah, like so. Martin Wood. Yeah, so he's, he's definitely one of my favorites, not just because it's Peter DeLuise, and I just like him in general. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, now this episode, it's funny. It spent the entire time convincing me that it sucked while <laughs> also not really sucking it wasn't a shitty episode. It wasn't episode. one just, of those episodes, yeah. it wasn't like Seth or the episode <laughs> yeah. that does not exist, where we spend the entire episode being like, oh my god, or even the Michelle yeah, just, episode, which is referenced in this, yeah. where we spend the whole episode being miserable. Yeah. It, but there are several, in, it's, it's a little bit more like Tokra part one, where there are several instances where you just go, are you sure? Are you sure, episode? Are you sure about this? Are you sure you wanted to go this road? Are you sure? I think as much as I don't like the idea of giving giving them the opportunity to uh, mess this up even more, um, I feel like the concept of this episode would have been stronger in a two-parter. Because they would have had more time to go about it the right way instead of rushing everything. I would I feel like too that. much needed to happen in this one episode. So that it wound up being a little bit like, really? You're just you're just going with that? You're you're just you're not gonna look for a second option. You're just yeah, this is the answer. And this episode is um, hands down to blame for my hatred of Doctor McKenzie. That was one of the things that I wanted to give good credit to the episode for was that they didn't have McKenzie just be this typical asshole shrink that you always see where they don't even bother to listen to the patient even a little bit. And this guy actually seems to be, like, it seemed to me that they were trying to make sure they portrayed him as somebody who actually was reasonable <laughs> and understands that there's a person in the patient. Um, and, I, and I do appreciate that yeah. for what it is. I do appreciate the effort that somebody actually took to stop and think about that because people are, are uncomfortable with shrinks for a reason. <laughs> and yeah, when you we help don't need eliminate this to make that. it worse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't build on it at the very least. Um, yeah, and it also it helps that, like, on the other hand, by having this be a one-episode story, you can't really have that psychiatrist who doesn't listen. Yes. 
Because that storyline does require two episodes. Yeah, no, that definitely would. Uh, so maybe it's just because they're forced into it. But who, on that one, I'll take what I can get. The thing is, though, while I'm looking for this you know, thing to compliment them on, once again, as I was saying right before, we finally got the recording to start working. <laughs> um, Listen, I'm on a new PC. Hey, it's not your my, fault that Zoom hates you. My beautiful brand new PC, and I'm slowly starting to use programs on it for the first time. So every new program I use on it is a new experience of going, oh, I didn't realize that my laptop was already doing this. But yeah, so one thing I you know, did notice is that I do hate how this, this show is not the only one that's guilty of it. There's tons of shows that do it. They all suck for doing it. But I really do hate how much this show falls back on schizophrenia. Uh, and I, I can say that because two is officially two times too many. And we're technically in... Uh, it's sort of gonna have a third one down the line. Although, Lifeboat isn't quite the same because they know what's going on from the beginning, don't they? So that's not quite... But it still portrays itself in a very similar... Well, no, not really. No, that's the idea. Yeah, it's more like Sorry. D.I.D. What they thought was schizophrenia yeah. the first time. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, I don't really care for TV going on that one either. I don't care for TV falling back on, oh, it's because they're crazy. Yeah. Because that's, you know, it shouldn't, we shouldn't have to say it out loud, but it's fucking disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. Maybe don't do that, guys. Just maybe. <laughs> He's crazy. Time for commitment. Oh, wait, never mind. It's a plot point. Yeah, yeah, that that's the thing. It's it's not great when it's used as a plot point of and I feel like as opposed to how poorly the word schizophrenia was thrown out in Toker Part One, I feel like Tor Alexander Valenza at least tried to treat the subject in a respectful manner, but it's still tricky. Especially when you're using it as a plot device. Unless your story is about how he's actually being affected by schizophrenia, then it shouldn't be a fucking storyline. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be a point. It shouldn't be the thing that you just use for five minutes and throw away as if this isn't a real condition that affects people for their entire lives. Absolutely. But no, it's like, no, it's just this thing that he can shrug off. It's just a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I will say mm-hmm. this, t- three is officially a pattern, so once they hit number three, if they hit number three, I'm officially going to be over it <laughs> to the point See, where I'm okay. no longer going to be able to give them any excuses, because I don't care what your time period is and I, so on and so forth. This You don't you, sh- you shouldn't have to live in the 21st century to have respect, so... I feel like this episode was born from that one terribly misplaced line in Toker Part 1. This was their attempt at falling through on it, maybe. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Then in that case, I would definitely not consider it a success, because it's a five-minute piece of the episode at best. Yeah. It's it's not even the whole point of the episode. It doesn't even yeah. have any long-lasting consequences. So it's, again, please stop using mental conditions mm-hmm. as your throwaway shit. Yeah, so let's actually just go straight into this. Um... We are covering Season 3, Episode 4, Legacy, today. It is written by Tor Alexander Valenza, and it's uh, written by Peter DeLuise. Oh yes, and I'm Mel. (laughs) (laughs) 
and I'm Bliss. <laughs> and <laughs> good luck trying to make that sound natural. Oh no, I'm um, not even gonna try. Do you think I'm yeah. even gonna try? Do you think I try on some of these? No. Some of these I just let us happen. I just let I us mean, happen like the force of nature that we are. And I know was the it. one where you actually managed to grab it from the end and put it. No, in that the one I'm proud of. But that one we set up differently. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and get straight into yeah. reading the official synopsis on this so we can start talking about this episode, because then I can go to sleep afterwards. Yeah, me too. It's hella early. <laughs> or hella late, in my case. Well, it's hella late for you. It's hella early for me. <laughs> All right. So, the official synopsis. A mysterious tablet discovered on a distant planet infects anyone who touches it with a hallucinogen. The remarkable stone infects Tilk and before long, the entire team, except Hammond. Hammond's not the team. <laughs> Sorry. Can Hammond stop it and save SG-1 alone? <laughs> they didn't even watch it! They didn't even watch it! I swear to God, the writers of these little summaries are on a constant competition to outdo Madoka Magica. To create something that looks like it has something to do with the episode, but actually has nothing to do with the show. Because that... <sighs> Seriously, I, I know I made this joke before, but Madoka Magica's intro, as you know, has yeah. nothing to do with the show. Because the people who made it, all they were told was, it's a show about magical girls. Yep. So they made this happy little thing that does not match the tone of the show whatsoever. <laughs> it's awesome, but it's true. Um, sometimes these summaries give me that same feeling, where it's like somebody gave them the most basic of Cliff Notes version of what well, this episode what this is. is. This person uh, forgot that they were given this job until the day it was due. <laughs> And they were like, oh shoot, I have to submit something today. And then they watched the last ten minutes of the episode and wrote a synopsis. Now, don't get me wrong. The synopsis that you, uh, the synopsis that, that, that they wrote sounds like an interesting episode as well. That's not what we watched, though. <laughs> but that's not what we watched. Like, do not get me wrong, Mel. I would love to watch Hammond have to be the guy who right? has to figure this shit out. That sounds awesome. That sounds like fish out of water, awesome general having to learn from his subordinates, having mm -hmm. to do stuff he hasn't had to do in a while because he's been a general for a while kind of shit. But I just Come on, the... that'd be cool. But that's not what this episode was. I also just love the wording of the entire team except Hammond. Which... I know Hammond got, went through the gate a couple episodes ago and, you know, got yeah. to fly in a, a spaceship and yeah. shoot turrets and shit. But he's the but commander he's not part of SG-1. Of the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the guy who commands SG-1. He's not a member of SG-1. No. My phrasing like, was still hell? bad, but still. Yeah, no, that's wrong. It's just wrong. Also, I like how when a team is four... It's a lot easier to say shit like, the whole team. And I'm like, yeah, because one is incapacitated because he's sick. <laughs> One's in the control room desperately trying to do stuff. And the other two are fucked. So you got half the team. But that's another thing that's wrong with the thing. Because by the time the, other, the rest of the team got infected, Daniel wasn't infected anymore. Yeah. So that's still yeah, wrong. Exactly. <laughs> So yeah, I have issues with like pretty much every part of that synopsis. Yeah, it's bad. 
That was not a good summary. I know I I know we're technically always incorrect every time we throw out synopsis and summary as if they're inter- interchangeable and they're not, but still, fuck it. As far as little mini summaries go, that's a garbage one. Yeah, I like the word synopsis, so I'm gonna keep I'm still gonna keep fuck using it. it. <laughs> yeah, you tried for like an episode to get me to use the real term, and I was like, nah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you notice I I've just said synopsis since. <laughs> Exactly. Some battles aren't worth even trying to have it be a battle. Yep. <laughs> there is no so, battle. I uh, just go with synopsis. We're good. <laughs> that's fair. So, let's get into the actual episode. You know, I feel like I didn't see the blinking, but I know exactly when the blinking happened that this goof is talking about here is in the, the trivia. Zoom right at the end? No, it's right before that, because I kept waiting for, like, a Resident Evil moment. That's the thing. I and was... then it kept not happening. <laughs> You know, we'll talk about it when we get to the, for my scene, um, but, so, my very first note in all caps is, SECRET TUNNEL! <laughs> the listeners can't see you absolutely dying <laughs> silently. SECRET TUNNEL! <laughs> That's amazing. Oh my god, that's the best thing ever. I'm so sad I wasn't there to witness it. <laughs> God, I do miss watching these with you sometimes. Right? Oh, well, God. someday. Secret and then you'll be able tunnel. to see my sick-ass setup. Mel, we need, to li- we need to light all five of our torches. It'll last for ten hours. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, uh, basically, everyone's in... Uh, basically, looks like... Honestly, it looks like a very clean sewer system. <laughs> yeah, it's because it's a secret tunnel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's not a lot of people to use it. <laughs> and uh, uh, they're looking around, and Daniel says that it looks like it's old, high-tech stuff that was a, uh, abandoned tunnels, you know, like, that some higher-tech race than them uh, used to be here, but it's been abandoned, basically. Way to gloss like, over that this episode, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's like... Like all of the things that are high tech, they find they're long abandoned, not being used anymore. Yeah. I- I'm sorry, but that would have been a another episode that I would have enjoyed watching. Right? That we don't, don't, we don't get to see <laughs> because of reasons. Don't. But seriously, the what is that? Is, why? Why do they, they keep referencing better episodes? <laughs> the thing is, before they went into the room, I thought I thought that's what the episode was going to be, and then they went into yeah. the room, and I'm like, oh no, it's this episode. Yeah. <laughs> this episode is a struggle for me because it's well it's because it's like made up of pieces that each each one feels like it's 95 percent done yeah but not quite there because every piece of this doesn't feel quite explained enough or quite fleshed out enough or quite done right everything's just not quite right and it bugs me it also suffers from in the same sort of vein honestly i think it's you know born from the same um inspiration really is uh Tor Alexander Valenza tries to reference a lot of continuity in this or f- quote unquote fix some continuity in this um while also like stumbling over continuity or just like that's a bullshit answer that we did not see reference to and we'll get I'll say when it happens in the show it's near the very end of my notes but just, like, the continuity in this is so weird, because they make a point of referencing so many previous episodes in this one. 
They're yeah. trying their... He's he's going all out. He's like, I know we're in season three, so, you know, remember how, like, the show's been going on for three seasons? Let's talk about it. But then, like, some of that winds up being kind of like, did you watch the episode tour? <laughs> and then some of it's like, ooh, someone in the future did not watch this episode. Because <laughs> there's a continuity issue in this episode for a future episode, which I will really? also get to. But, uh... Basically, they're walking down this tunnel. Uh, Sam says there's no signs of life anywhere down here. And then Teal finds a big old button on the wall. And he says, oh, this looks like gold tech. And he pushes it. I know that a lot of preparation goes into creating a show. And I, uh, solely because of how numbers work, and I know that five is half of ten, I tend to accidentally think that Stargate Atlantis started around season five of SG-1 because Atlantis went for five seasons and SG-1 went for ten, so there... Didn't it start at four? I think it starts much later because Daniel is one of the introducing characters and I just realized if he's dead, then oh, he yeah, won't be able true, to do he... oh, that. Oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> so Why I'm realizing it has to be after... Yeah, that's where... I'm realizing they have it's a lot of... six then. Yeah, it's gotta be around six, exactly. I'm realizing that I was always off by a year. But then I realized it makes sense that I was off by a year because I keep thinking of these shows as being ex- on at the exact same time. And while they were overlapping, SGA ended after SG-1 yeah. ended. So it makes sense to me when I put pieces together like an adult. <laughs> like I'm like, oh yeah, that's how math works. Um, kind of like Buffy and Angel. Yeah! So, yeah. so did the same so spin- thing. You know, that's how spinoffs work. So it makes sense when you think about it. I'm just an idiot because yeah. I always tend to think of it in, yeah, in later terms. Like, as in, they're all over now, so I just accidentally change when they air. <laughs> I don't even have an excuse for why I thought it was season four because that's obviously wrong. Yeah, so, but the only reason I even bring it up is I remember thinking throughout this episode, I'm like, wow, man, they set a lot up for SGA in season three. That must take so much more preparation to create a show that they're already doing it in season three and the show doesn't even take off until season five. And then I started really thinking about it. <laughs> and then I realized how off I was. But that still makes me laugh because there is a, I'm starting to see a lot of little elements of SGA, which means mm-hmm. they started taking ideas, you know, early on. I'm not sure if they were already thinking spinoff at this point, especially since, again, I was off on my timeline. But I will say, when they did get around to making SGA, it's kind of funny, kudos-wise, um, that they really started grabbing stuff from so early in SG-1, uh-huh. because yeah. that sh- it makes it a lot less obvious. Because yeah. here I was expecting everything to be super obviously lifted from the first couple <laughs> seasons of SG-1. And instead, it's little pieces lifted from throughout the first three seasons alone. And we're going to probably see little more pieces. I shouldn't say first three seasons, because again, I'm just now starting to see them picking it up. Um, But it's going to be at least a couple of years, I'm guessing, of stuff that they're going to start, you know, taking little pieces of content out of to, you know, slightly alter. Because this thing that Teal'c pushes, or, you know, swipes, (laughs) the stone thing. Yeah. They uh, modify that just a little bit for SGA to be the crystals that are next to each door, and you just wave your hand in front of these crystals in, like, a downward motion. And it's just a little element that I'm realizing they took from around this time period in the show. Well, that even kind of works with the narrative of the story. It because does. the show has, has told us that the gold have stolen technology yep. from the ancients before. Yep, yep. and uh, Ascension's even mentioned for the first time in almost Ascension format in this episode. They mention oh, uh, yeah, energy bit. transformation for the first time. Yeah. 
Yeah. Although, to be fair, like, we're about to actually start talking about that next season. So, so yeah, that's this is actually... The, yeah, this that's is good, good preparation, world building. honestly. Yeah, yeah, no. I, I have to give a lot of kudos to the show for their world building because they put a lot of effort into it. Haphazard sometimes, but still effort. I, I honestly would like to believe that the uh, vague reference to Ascension in this episode is purposeful for the future because we do know that the child is out there somewhere yep so they know that they have to do that plot at some point so maybe they you know obviously they probably didn't at this point plan to do the whole ascension thing with daniel because they probably weren't having the disagreements yet with the contract at this point um i feel like if he left at the end of season four that must have been beginning though around this time well like when you pointed out to me what you heard about why he wound up leaving i was like and I thought about it, and I even looked at, like, all the summaries for season four. I'm like, wow, yeah, they pretty much did not use Daniel at all in season four, huh? I have nothing against Michael Shanks, but I do have to point out to him that he is one of five main characters. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he gets a lot of uh, emphasis because he was one of, his character is one of the two from the movie. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, he gets a lot of screen time, and I do understand why losing some of that might be a little annoying, and getting underutilized might be annoying, and I have nothing against him actually wanting to stand up for himself, so this is not me criticizing him whatsoever. No, yeah. But it doesn't... But he is an ensemble cast. Yeah, well, it's, well, here's the thing. SGU was an actually... Ensemble? Ensemble cast. It was actually credited as such. Uh, these ones were tiered, so yeah. there was supposed to be more of a starring element. With Richard Dean Anderson being yeah. the highest, yeah, and he exactly. was the biggest star. Yeah, so I'm not judging anything or anybody yeah. cast-wise here. Yeah, I'm definitely uh, interested when we get to season four on like really paying attention to... Yeah, because yeah, everything I'm about to say, I might just be putting my foot in my mouth, because it might just be that he's really underutilized and it doesn't matter. I'm just hoping that when he starts to, when we start to see less of him, I'm hoping it's because we're seeing we're more of Sam, Teal or Sam Teal. or yeah, stuff hopefully. that we're not seeing as much of now. I'm hoping it's because stuff got more balanced and not because the show deteriorated in quality. <laughs> well, we'll <laughs> see, we'll I see. guess. <laughs> um, all I, I mean, know- ultimately, I love all of the uh, twists that the social relationships got from the Ascension yes. plot. So yeah. yeah. But I yeah, my- love all of the social changes that happened oh, in yeah. that plot. Even if uh, I'm still mad that Sam got shortchanged an episode with that. Yes. Yeah. No, my thing with Sam Especially is she always gets shortchanged. Thing, it's like we needed an episode. We needed an episode, and we didn't get one. And no. that sucks. But the Teal'c episode is still one of my favorite episodes of this entire show. Really? Hands down. Really? I love that episode. Okay. Well, then that, that'll be nice. So my whole thing is that with Ascension, it's kind of cool seeing it get built up so early. Yeah, like vaguely, very vaguely. vaguely. Yes, but that's 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 the thing. That's We're always talking about is yeah. how we like these little subtle elements mm-hmm. because we've already had the Asgard mention that the uh, ancients are gone. They've moved yep. on. They've moved on. Yeah. Now we're getting. A piece of what will be a, a real piece of that puzzle later. We're getting a piece of a piece where we don't know it's a piece yet, but it's gonna Honestly, be. Honestly, this is also um, could be, and they definitely weren't planning this far ahead. Uh, but it could also be. You could also look at at it as a nod to Anubis. That's what I was actually just about to say. <laughs> Specifically, because of the gold being in this plot line. This is the first time we're hearing of it, but it won't be the last time we're hearing about a gold possibly ascending. So. Yeah. 
this is all it's it's all really subtle though because literally nothing is just there's times where we're, where we're upset because it's like oh my god hammer this home a little harder yeah. why don't you whereas this is something we're only saying because we know what's going to happen yeah down exactly the line. no this is exactly why i love rewatching shows but knowing things now just kind of helps change you know helps me like understand little elements differently Yep. Yeah, they uh, were a little too in love with schizophrenia. That's annoying. Yeah. But I'm also loving that we can hate on this writer for his Michello episode writing because it sucked. <laughs> and then so far here, I'm like, these are he's referencing elements of better episodes, don't get me wrong. But as a whole, he's introducing a lot of little concepts here that yeah. are really important. And he's that's not a main core writer, so that's no. always impressive to me is when a non-core writer is doing world building of any kind. Yeah, that's the thing, because like I put it out, and well, I'll, I'll start pointing them out every time I see them. This, this episode is chock full of reminding the audience at home that we have two seasons and four episodes of this show, and there's history here now. And for it not to be done by, you know, a head writer yeah. is, you know. It's good. It's, it's, it yeah. speaks to quality of writing. It's impressive to me. That his writing is actually not shitty in this. Because I was prepared for shitty. <laughs> uh, since I saw his name, I was like, really? Oh, I guess that's right. It does involve a cello. That would make sense. But honestly, fuck this guy. Yeah. But then it didn't turn out to be that bad. Tor Alexander Valenza, he's not... <sighs> he doesn't He doesn't do a great job writing women. No. He does tend to do a pretty good job writing Daniel. And, like, he he tries to do interesting subjects and tries to be respectful but doesn't always hit the mark yeah he's yeah. at least trying to be respectful with the subjects he's tackling all we can say is that it at least appears that he tries to do a respectful job but ultimately we can't be the final judge on that yeah but that's why i'm saying i think he tries to tackle sensitive subjects respectfully but i don't think he sticks the landing there's several instances in, instances in this episode where he tries to make sure that the characters are using better terminology. Except for Jack. <laughs> but Jack is supposed to be disrespectful. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's specifically a part where... Um, actually, I'll, I'll get there when we get there. Yeah. But there's a specific part where like he, he apologizes for if he's going to do anything offensive and then says an offensive terminology... <laughs> Yeah. And I was just like, I don't know if you did that on purpose. <laughs> I feel like in today's climate, O'Neill would be that person that I could see going one of two ways. <laughs> yeah. I would hope it would be the... The good way? <laughs> the good way. But he might also be that other guy. Yeah. Like, if you caught him nearer to retirement. Yeah. He'd definitely be more like, yeah, let's do this. But I feel like if you caught him at the wrong time... He'd kind of be like, okay, this is officially too much PC, go fuck yourself. Yeah. It's just kind of funny when I see him act like this. I'm like, oh, yeah, your irreverence is cute, but so close to being touchy. And very dated. <laughs> and it is dated as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't always age well. Yeah. So Teal finds a little button on the wall and says it's gold design and presses it and it opens a door into a room full of, like, mummified corpses. I don't know that much about decomposition. That's on purpose. Um, decomposition <laughs> yeah. is gross. I'm not interested. I'm uh, good. Yeah, I, uh, I'm currently in a stage of 
a state of not decomposing and I don't need to know more about the after effects. And with that in mind, I have no idea of what the one month of decomposition stage what that is, what it looks like. All I can think is, I do know one thing about decomp, and it's one of the reasons why I don't learn more, is that it's it's fucking gross. Putrefaction involves, like, skin liquefaction, and it's just blech. Because your body's so, kind of melting. So why were their clothes all just so pristine? That's all I could so, focus on, besides um, the blinking corpse. And much like you, I don't know the exact details on this, so I can only do a vague sort of answer for this. But, um... There's a good chance that the room was perfectly sealed. Oh, hermetically? Yeah. Would that preserve clothing? Does, does that preserve clothing? Am I learning I something here? I mean, for here? just a month, why would clothes just... Well, I mostly mean, like, because I used to read those uh, garbage romance books that yeah. I told you about when I was a kid, because my mom used to read them. But they uh -huh. had uh, mystery elements to them. It was about a cop solving yeah. murders. And I'm assuming that the writer did her research because she was kind of, you know, awarded for that. Mm -hmm. She would describe what clothes would look like after certain stages of decomposition. They were always described as spoiled, like, because, you know, f body fluids, which then, of course, you know, then those body fluids and things disappear as further stages yes, of decomp happen. Yes, but wouldn't be an issue if they're not decomposing in the same way because Yeah, okay, I, I just didn't know that that hermetically sealing would, would change that. I mean, they don't they don't mention it being hermetically sealed in any way or anything like that. Uh, but I would believe that it's sealed like that okay. under I, the circumstances. I you could find just it be in. looking for problems, and I'm okay with there not being any for once. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I just kept looking and going like, okay, so they're dressed like gold, which means they probably went for like silk and the good shit, mm -hmm. and that all just looks like it's rather intact for being a month uh, full of decomposing bodies, but. Cool. Hey, I'm here for it. It also could just yeah. be, like, you know, not silk. It could also be, like, alien clothing that's... Yeah, mm -hmm. true. That's, you know, gross shit resistant. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. But, yeah. So, they, like you said, the corpses show signs of being gold hosts. And inside the room, uh, Tilk finds um, a similar mechanism to, like, get out. But it's damaged by a ribbon device. Uh, and... Which actually, I'm just thinking about that now, suggests some interesting things about what was happening in that room. Right? Again, one of the many things this episode glosses over. They gloss over a lot. That's the episode I want, not the episode yeah, we got. Yeah, this is, again, it's like another third or fourth episode that they're adjacently describing right. without having any interest in following through. Oh, sorry, before he talks about this, my note says, this new opening continues to suck. <laughs> Yes. But yeah, so he says that it was ruined by a, rib a ribbon device from inside, uh, and Daniel points at a seal on the floor and asks him if he recognizes that. He says it's the crest of the Limbris, which were a minor league of nine lesser gold that liked to challenge the system lords. They weren't part of the main club of bickerers. They wanted to become the new club of bickerers. Every time this show does shit like this, it just creates so many more questions for me. This kind of feeds into what we were talking about, if not last week, then the week before, I can never remember. But we were talking about how how gold procreation must work. Like, who, uh, that would have been allowed... two weeks ago yeah. because of Hathor. Cool. So how long they're allowed... Wait, no, it would have been three weeks ago because of Hathor. Right, cool, whatever. All I know is we were talking about like which... 
what the, what this process must be like, you know, how many babies they have, how they decide which ones are allowed to live, you know, mm-hmm. given bodies, so forth, because we only see a small handful, and yet we see just, you know, shit tons of baby go old. These episodes just feed into these questions for me, and I'm not, and, and I'm not meaning this in a good way, because... And they're not going to answer them. And they're not going to answer them, because I'm like, okay, cool. Who the fuck are these guys then? What were their names? What do you mean lesser gold? Were they still falling within the Egyptian gods hierarchy? Were there lesser Egyptian gods that maybe we should learn about? I'm guessing there were lots of gods, but it cracks me up because it's like, okay, cool episode. Who are they? (laughs) And how did they come about? Are they within the Egyptian gods hierarchy? Are they people worth noting? Is any of this in a show that's about mythology? Is any of this mythology worth mentioning? No? Nope. Cool. <laughs> I just have crazy eyes here in the corner. Because yep. I'm sitting here going like, how did they get bodies? How do you elevate lower gold? Why do you elevate lower gold? What purpose does any of this serve? Other than to drive me slowly mad. That's that's the purpose right there. You hit oh, it. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, we're on to something. So yeah, it just, it, it was a cool line that fed my uh, insanity yeah. a little, because it's like, okay, that's cool. So many questions. <laughs> so so Daniel finds a gold tablet with uh, battle plans, he thinks, on it. That's not and a mysterious tries- tablet, by the way, because he immediately knows what it is and, and what it needs to be, what needs to be done with it. So that's not a mysterious tablet. Oh, oh yeah, you're you're talking about the synopsis. Uh-huh. I was about to be like, yeah, they found these before. I don't know what you're yeah, talking that's about. Yeah, that's I, that's what I'm saying. Is why is the, the synopsis, synopsis saying it. that? It's not I've mysterious. I've already wiped the synopsis <laughs> from my memory. It's because so. it's full of falsehoods. Listen, I can only remember so many things, and I don't need to remember something stupid. <laughs> Um, so he finds the tablet and he's like, oh, I think it has something to do with, like, battle plans. And so he tries to change the page on it. He's like, I need, I need one of the remote things to change the page. And Jack sees one, like, halfway under someone's body on the ground. And he, he's like, oh, I think this is it. And he grabs it and hands it over to Daniel. And Daniel, like, swipes it over the device and the device doesn't change its page. And he's like, why isn't this working and then suddenly he feels like something like invisible brushes past him and you get this kind of like like noise (laughs) the swooshy noise yeah the the you're being haunted noise and he like looks around like what the and everyone's like daniel and he's like i nothing nothing (laughs) and jack's like well we're done checking this out we're gonna bring back some you know supplies not supplies uh samples Samples is the word I was looking for. <laughs> uh, we're going to bring back, like, samples and everything to get a better idea of what's going on here. But we're, we're leaving. So we go back to SGC. And um, Daniel's in the lockers, uh, the shower area. And he's just come out of the shower. And he starts to hear someone calling for him. And it's definitely, like, a woman. And he kind of, like, is, like, pausing and looking around, like, uh, hello? And, like, try to find whoever the voice is. And eventually gives up and walks out of the locker after, you know, getting changed and everything. And as he's walking out, Sam is walking up and he's like, were you calling for me? Which, first of all, the voice calling for you said, Dr. Jackson, when has Sam ever called you that? Since, like, the pilot. Right? Since she was fangirling over <laughs> you. When she was excited you. to meet you. Yeah, when she was fangirling you. Has she ever called you that since then, Daniel? It was definitely not her. But she's like, uh, n- no. 
And she's like, uh, Hammond says it's time to go to the briefing room. <laughs> and so they all go to the briefing room to talk about what they found there. And at the briefing, Janet says that the gold in the room died before the hosts. Oh, sorry, there is one thing I want to talk about on the reference to uh, Peter Delvey's and Elvis Drop because I did not put it in my notes. As they're leaving the room, the secret tunnel room, we actually we see the team walk out again, and then the camera lingers in the room for a minute, and then it pans down and just lingers on one of the dead bodies. And I feel like a lesser director would have given in to the impetus to make the eyes glow because <laughs> it felt like that's what was supposed to happen there and then it didn't and i'm like all right it's peter deloise writing this he wouldn't do something weird for no fucking reason <laughs> yeah because like what would be the follow-through on that exactly there's no there, it would be like what what i kept expecting a resident evil moment where the eyes would yeah open. that's that's the moment where i was, I was expecting it when it lingered on one dead body in particular as they were leaving the room. But because it's Peter Deloise, he was just using it as an impression. But yeah, so at the briefing, like I said, uh, Janet's like, yeah, the gold died before the host. And Jack floats the idea of some sort of bio-warfare. And Took's like, nah, that wouldn't kill the gold. Um, and Janet even says the host didn't show any signs of that sort of activity either. Um, and kind of more or Best less... Best just dismiss it immediately, then. Uh, yeah, that, I didn't even think about that until now, but that's literally what happened, and you just... So, Jack said the right thing, and then you just went, nah. That's this whole episode. That is this whole episode in a nutshell. Could it be this actual, reasonable answer? You know, based on two years' worth of activity through this gate? No, no, it's not that. We did a cursory glance, didn't see any evidence of that, so it's not that. Oh, okay, then it must be this random thing out of nowhere from this random guy who we haven't listened to before now. That makes sense. That's, yeah, let's go with that one. But yeah, so Janet more or less says, she doesn't, I don't know, I don't remember if she directly says, but she basically says that they, you know, starved and dehydrated. Yep. That that's how they all died. And they figure out that, like, the door mechanism inside was damaged, which means they couldn't get out. And they start talking about, well, if they were in there, you know, of, by their own choice, who could have destroyed that to trap them in there without them knowing? And they start talking about, like, possibly invisible invisible people, like, sneaking in. And this is when they bring up the Ritu again, because they're still trying to make the Ritu be a thing. Yeah, no, apologies to the show from, like, when they were introduced in, you know, the Ritu episode. I, um, I was kept laughing, like, yeah, they're never heard from again. I'm like, well, technically they're not. Yeah, it's we don't just see that them again. We do hear about them a them lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think we ever see them again, but... Despite um, the fear. Yeah. So, I figured it's just because they did what you said they should have had and had those sensors up at the gate, so if anyone there tried to break in again, they're immediately destroyed. I mean, it's the only thing that makes sense. Right? It's already happened to you once, you, you should know better. Right. But yeah, so they're they're thinking about maybe it being a Ritu, but Teal looks like, no, this, that's really not their MO. Their ways of killing are much more obvious. Grotesquely. Yeah. But yeah, so Hammond asks Daniel about the tablet, and as he... So this part, this part's actually interesting, and I, I don't know if this has to do with directing choices or writing choices or a combination of both. But I think this is actually pretty well done in this first part, uh, because while, t while Daniel's starting to explain the, the tablet, 
um, you start to hear the gate dialing and like, you know, the, the alarms going and like, it's actually like the symbols are locking in. It's this, it's the activity that happens when you are dialing from earth to another planet. And like Daniel even kind of pauses for a second and like waits for him to be like reacting to it or something, but no one seems to be reacting to it at all. So he's like, he kind of decides to be like, oh, I guess this is supposed to be happening. Maybe I just didn't get that memo. So he's just like struggling through talking about the tablet while all of this noise is happening on in the background. And then the briefing gets, you know, dismissed. Um, and and everyone leaves. And Daniel lingers just as the wormhole activates. And Jack is also still in the briefing room with him. And Daniel goes over and looks over at the wormhole. And we get an announcement for SG-7 coming through. And then people walk through. And it's the dead mummified gold hosts. And Daniel looks at them, turns around and looks at Jack, who does not seem bothered, looks back down, and it's normal SG-7. So what I think is really clever about the framing of this scene is that if you don't think about the mechanics of the gate travel itself, it seems like the only thing he's imagining at this point is the mummified bodies for a minute before he looks back and sees that, you know, it's regular SG-7. Except when you think about the way the gate works, and then later on in the episode they show that, yeah, this is definitely a thing, he wouldn't be hearing dialing if it was someone coming from off-world. The wormhole would just activate. So what I think is really great is that there's a lot more of an obvious hallucination happening in this scene than you would think at the first I don't necessarily know if you're right on that one point, though. I think it still makes the dialing sounds and everything when it's being dialed from off-world. No, it doesn't, because um, it's distinctly uh, shown, like, we wouldn't be able to... It can't be because of the fact that uh, they've had to race against the gold before, and we haven't seen the gold dialing through. It's definitely shown other episodes that it does show the dialing process. I don't remember that happening, to be honest. That's why I thought it was weird. Oh, yeah. No, it's happened a couple times. It's just... But all I'm saying is that, like, it's a distinctly different set of sounds that you get from dialing out than dialing in. The thing is, like, when I started writing my notes here, I... I literally, in my parentheses, I was like, receiving gate travel wouldn't show the dialing, right? So was the first part in his head and only the wormhole really happened? And then later on, we'll see, um, in fact, we can just skip there right now to that scene. Uh, we go to Daniel's office where he's decoding um, the very, like, because he had, like, a basic idea of what was on the tablet, but he gets, like, the nuance of it uh-huh. while he's decoding in his office. And he realizes that what it actually said is to enter by infiltration. And while he's in his office, he hears the gate dialing again. The exact same sound he was hearing in the in the uh, briefing room. And I think that's the point, is the fact that it, the way that he, like, reacted and seemed, like, weirded out and, like, nobody else even seemed to notice that sound happening, I think was that he was hearing the dialing, but that was not actually happening. Because they use the exact same audio from the briefing room table when the dialing is happening as they do in his closet here. My my interpretation was just adjacent, I guess, where it was um, he was um, feeling already um, sensitive 
to stimulus. That also works. That's what I was thinking was that he was uh, being sensitive to stimulus, and so that he was just being it's kind just of like really distracting. Yeah, being hit by a, li- a little hard, and then you know was having the hallucination on top of that, and then later his brain was repeating the sound effects for him because that was what I have no idea if that's right and I have nothing against yours so I think either is yeah entirely I'm down likely. I'm down with yours I too. think yeah, either so. works either is equally likely and use and works in that yep. scene uh either way it's it's showing a it's a good um portrayal of him being just a little off balance yeah so he's in his office he hears the gate dialing sounds coming from his cabinet closet thing uh, he goes to open it and finds an active wormhole in his closet. You know, where they go. And Yeah, that's, that's where they belong, right? And he starts to hear a voice in it telling him to step through the gate and join them. And he's like, this is bad. <laughs> and then one of the mummy gold's faces sticks out from the gate and starts dragging him in. And on our screen, uh, and this is another thing I'll actually give... Um, the, the framing of this entire episode, which I think once again comes down to writing and directing, a combination of both, is the way that um, all the things that Daniel's experiencing, we see as if they are actually happening. Yes. And what I, uh, the reason I bring this up is because specifically in this instance, um, the mummy gold grabs him and starts dragging him and he's resisting and everything, but it manages to drag him entirely into the closet at which point the screen goes black. Fun. And when the screen opens up again, we see that Daniel uh, is in the infirmary because he passed out. And we don't know what transpired between there because we're seeing all of this from Daniel's point of view. I think it's well framed. Oh, yeah. But uh, I do like that Daniel, you know, wakes up in the infirmary and Jack's just hovering near his bed, like messing around with one of the saline bags, just like waiting for it to wake up so we can get an explanation for what the fuck happened. Do not get me wrong. When I was a kid in hospital, I too wanted to do nothing more than to poke the saline bags. Um, but <laughs> don't play with those things. No. Oh my god, don't play no. with those. That shouldn't have to be told to you. You could puncture one. Also, you'd better hope that's just saline in, saline in there. Some of those solutions fucking stink. <laughs> so, you get that shit on you, good luck. Um, yeah. Also, just don't play with it! <laughs> but yeah, I love him playing with the IV bags, because, I mean, who hasn't wanted to play with one of those things? <laughs> I actually haven't been exposed to enough of them to decide whether I want to play with one or not. Uh, yeah, no, I always wanted to play with them when I was a kid. Um, but this this whole freaking show has been a struggle for me since the beginning, but this is the episode that makes me just give up on HIPAA. because yeah oh yeah sure fine jack's in the infirmary with him for this scene but there's later scenes where mm, there's been times where i'm like okay fine they must be fudging it because of like you know the military hierarchy or whatever and it's like yeah sure this might pertain to their mission files but i call fucking bullshit on the fact that she just gives a team briefing on his fucking medical information wild i know it's ahead they don't think it has anything to do with like alien. Uh-huh, well, I mean, uh-huh. it sort of has to do with yeah. alien tech, but not like, really. But there's a way for them. There's a way for her and Mackenzie to warn them about what's relevant to them. 
without talking about Daniel's side uh-huh. of things at all. Yeah. So I have completely given up on patient yeah, rights. Yeah, no, that's by fair. This, this point is the now, episode I'm done. where you have to yeah. be like, okay, I can't try and talk about this anymore. Yeah, it's I'm, just, it doesn't exist in this universe. Yeah. I'm officially out. I'm also officially out on trying to keep track of the intros because this is no longer airing old school styles. So everything's been changed after mm-hmm. the fact because of distribution deals and yeah. buying rights and so forth. So, like, when season three started, I was whining because they went back to one of the old intros with a cheesy free freeze frame at the end and everything, and it sucked. And now they're back to the other intro for this episode. I don't even know when they went back to it. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention between uh, the first episode and this episode when they went back to the uh, regular old intro. But it's like, could, will you pick one? <laughs> And I don't know why that I don't know why MGM went that way with the like later changing and everything. I don't know, man. Probably something complicated to do with rights or blah 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 blah. Yeah. So I'll that never I don't know. Really care about. Yeah, I'll never know what back then what intro they were using. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, I was just la- laughing at my notes because it's like I'm giving up on the intros and I'm giving up on HIPAA. This episode, <laughs> I'm just giving up. <laughs> That's fair. But yeah. So Jack's waiting to. Basically be like, hey, Daniel, what the heck happened? And Daniel starts by being like, do you believe in ghosts? And Jack's like, no. And Daniel's like, yeah, I don't either. Which is why there's got to be a real explanation for what's happening. And it's like, for the love of God, can y'all listen to this man? (laughs) I love how reasonable he's being. Which, when somebody's acting that reasonable and then flip-flopping between that and unreasonable, maybe you should be taking this more seriously. Yeah, that's the thing. My, that's my biggest issue with this problem in uh, this episode, and we'll get to uh, it in my notes as it happens. And we've already talked about it a lot, so we don't have to keep talking about it. But um, And so he basically tells Jack everything he's been experiencing since they came back from that the secret tunnel, and... Um, he comes up with this theory from the translation on the tablet that the gold aren't actually dead and managed to turn themselves into some sort of energy, a la Ascension. He just doesn't know the term for it yet because he has not been introduced to it yet. And now they want him as a host. And Jack's like, okay, well, uh, why do they only want you as a host? And Daniel's like, all right, yeah, that's, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a theory. Why don't you give me one, asshole? <laughs> oh, I've got a theory for you, Daniel. <laughs> so he's basically like, you know, he, he helps Daniel realize what he's saying is wild, but in the same breath also compliments Daniel's clean closet. <laughs> Someone taught him the compliment sandwich. Ha! <laughs> yes. Like, no, no, you, if you're going to tell someone that they came up with a crazy concept, you have to say something nice to them afterwards. <laughs> I also don't believe that Daniel actually has a clean closet. It's probably very cluttered. <laughs> I don't know, man. He's he's very tightly wound and also quite fastidious. I could totally see his closet being a nightmare. Like, a straightened nightmare. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I'm just thinking about all of the cluttered knickknacks at his apartment in the Fire uh, and Water episode. True. I'm imagining something like that. Oh, Who knows? True, we don't actually get to see inside his point. closet. We just saw a wormhole inside his closet. True. But yeah, so um, then this is when Daniel says he might be having a nervous breakdown, which is probably one of the least problematic ways they could word that. I think <laughs> out of all of the ways that people use their language to address this topic in this episode... Daniel tends to have the right terminology, the right respectful terminology the most. 
Yeah. Whereas Jack tends to have the worst <laughs> in this episode. Because, like, nervous breakdown is like, yeah, you're you're overworked. That That's a normal thing that people in this sort of job could have. That's fine. Just, you know, take a nap, take a day off. That's, that's a perfectly reasonable thing for him to be saying, you know? So after that nice moment where Daniel actually comes up with a reasonable answer that's not problematic for him to be like, yeah, I, I just might be having a nervous breakdown right now. Then we immediately cut to the biggest issue of this episode. <laughs> and it's where you're like, well, I guess HIPAA just doesn't exist in this universe. And it's where I'm like, really? Really? We've had over two years of weird shit coming in through this gate. And this is your immediate answer to what's been happening here. You're not going to look any deeper. You're like, nope, this is what it's happening. I don't care. See, that's why where you were saying that, like, Mackenzie could have been a worse uh, stereotype of, like, a therapist. Yeah, well, He's still being very, like, nope, this is what's happening. Yeah. Like, dude, you work at the Stargate Command, and you don't think there might be another answer here? You remember that time that a giant blue crystal turned into Jack? Yeah. No, what, what just kills me is they talk about how, you know, cases can be genetic. I think you mean usually. They're usually genetic. Mm -hmm. And the thing about schizophrenia is this takes a, it's a, it's a complex diagnosis. Yes. I know it fits a, a certain, like, textbook array of symptoms. You know, like everything, there is, a, you know, a long list of, of symptoms. Yeah, absolutely. You don't, contrary to what some bad doctors, I'm, I'm sitting really far away from the mic, I just realized. Yeah, um, I can barely hear you. <laughs> sorry. Contrary to what really shitty doctors, some really shitty doctors would like to tell you, you mm -hmm. don't actually have to fit every single one of the boxes to be diagnosed with it. And even if you're check, checking off every single one of the boxes, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily, necessarily mean you mean, have it. Yeah. No diagnosis is absolute, 100% within a day. Yeah, <laughs> no. especially because uh, as far as we've seen, this man has not spoken directly with Daniel at yeah. all. He's been hearing things from other people about what Daniel's been... He probably heard exactly what Daniel told Jack, which wasn't that much. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, schizophrenic. He's schizophrenic. Yeah. It's like, sorry, what? No, and like, like, that's a really complicated it, disorder it, to just be thrown out like that in a day. Yeah, yeah literally, I'm... I, so... The, their theory is that um, that this is a side effect to gate travel. And they bring up the fact that, like, Jack's been having headaches and that, like, migraines can be a, a precursor. Or, and, and, and Jack's like, yeah, a lot of people have headaches. Yeah. What are you saying? Yeah, I, I do love how the doctors in this episode completely forget the difference between causation and correlation. Mm-hmm. It's, um, I'm... Blinking on the very obvious term right now, um, and it's just because I'm tired, but there's that term where uh, you only look for the evidence that Confirmation bias. Confirmation- confir confir blah, blah, blah. Confirmation bias. That's what this episode is, 100%. Oh. oh, yeah. This episode is just confirmation bias 101. They, he came in being like, it's schizophrenia, I knew there was something wrong with this gate all along, and now we have proof, it causes these things, and, and Jack and Sam are both like, you know, like, okay, well, you know, I'm fine, to, I'm willing to take the yeah, risk. Just one isn't a, a pattern. Yeah, first of all, one isn't a pattern, and yeah, so Daniel's, your only support, supposing proof of this theory, 
Um, the fact that Jack has headaches, and I think it was like 40% of the people who were going through the gate have headaches. It's like, yeah, that's called stress. They have a stressful job, guys. <laughs> that's not enough. One person having this extreme of, of symptoms that you haven't even done your due diligence for to actually see if that's really the cause. One person is showing these symptoms, and everyone else just has headaches. And not even just everyone, like half of the people. It's like, no, that's not... Tell everyone to drink more water. What are you saying? And did you check to make sure that these are all new things? Like, have you made sure that they haven't ever gone through periods of time where they get more headaches in a, you know, period of time in their life? Like, some people get seasonal headaches. Like, I know for a fact that my uncle, every time spring starts to roll around, the barometric pressure drops or something, and his head just splits for, like, a month. Especially because, like, they specifically say for Daniel that, like, he's been getting migraines, and it's like... Are you trying to make me think that Daniel doesn't regularly get migraines? Yeah. Also, You're migraines can be a separate condition. Daniel is not a person who just gets migraines. The thing is about this is like you can. There are people who have to get. There are medications specifically just for migraines because migraines are a separate medical yeah. condition. And this episode is treating it as if it's like if you get a headache, a it's automatic. First off, a headache isn't automatically a migraine. Second, yeah, exactly. a migraine isn't necessarily connected to a different condition. Well, and I will third, say... why are you treating it as if somebody with schizophrenia automatically gets migraines and vice versa? What the fuck? What step am I skipping here? Why are you skipping it? I will say this is the tiniest of defenses um, for this episode, because we, we've said from the beginning we have issues with how quickly they jump to this answer and stick here. Um, but they only said that... Daniel was getting migraines. They said everyone else was getting headaches. Which is a totally yeah, different, totally different thing. thing. This episode yeah. does not have any interest in science. No. I think I think the problem is that, because like, this is around the time where I'm like, I feel like uh, this whole episode was based on the one horrible line from Toker Part 1. I feel like Tor Alexander Valenza is taking a little bit too much um, influence from Jonathan Glasner. <laughs> It's like, you should be looking at Robert C. Cooper and Brad Wright if you want to be influenced by any other writers here. Jonathan Glasner is not someone you want to be looking to for science. But uh, I will say, sorry, this is around the scene. We actually jumped ahead of it a little bit here. But this is actually the scene where I was like, ooh, uh, so, you know, you're trying to set up all this continuity. And we haven't gotten to the part yet where they just blatantly, like, force continuity answers down our throat for an episode that happened this season earlier. This is the part of the episode where they uh, set up an inf information here that is going to uh, be bad continuity down the line in the episode with Daniel's grandfather. Yep. The fact that Janet's like, yeah, his family doesn't have any history of like psychological problems of like, this except kind of for nature Nick. or whatever. It's like, except for his grandfather? The only living blood relative he has? <laughs> and it's on the maternal side, I think. I believe it's maternal. But yeah, so I was like, ooh, that's that's some bad continuity down the line. Yeah. It's because the show writers also didn't know he had a grandfather who was alive because... Yeah, they definitely didn't know. Because Daniel Jackson was supposed to be, you know, in foster care and so on and so forth and wasn't supposed yeah. to have any <laughs> but relatives. But they, they give us a reason for that and it's like, okay, so Nicholas is also... An asshole. He's a shit. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so I thought that was... I had to write that note down too because I was like, really? What about his grandfather? 
But yeah, so I just, oh, this whole scene is rough. But, like, Jack and Sam are willing to take whatever risks are inherent in the gate. I think it's because they don't believe there actually is a risk. Okay. I know that the Goa'uld have the sarcophagus, and I know that because they have the Goa'uld in them that does healing, that this is not a fair comparison. Yeah. But. The Goa'uld inhabit humans. They probably wouldn't use humans if humans were this fucking susceptible to shit from the main source of travel. Like, they have shit, yeah, no, sure, that's but they reasonable. don't use that them. That makes sense to me. Not nearly as much as they use their gates. I, uh, I call, I mean, actually, that's probably not a fair comparison either, but still, I still, I, I have some validity to what I'm saying. No, you do. And here's the thing. This didn't, this plotline didn't need to be here. Yeah. Because we don't, don't yeah. get any any fallout whatsoever from what Hammond basically says is like, yeah, well, you guys might be willing to risk it, but the Air Force isn't. We'll be temporarily shutting down all activity through the gate, you know, calling everyone back and shutting down the gate until we have a better idea of what's going on. Uh-huh. And it's like, this whole plot line where they're like, oh, we think it's the gate that caused this, does not need to exist at all. It does nothing to the episode. Yeah. Except have us, you and I, be like, why would the gold use humans as hosts if the gates are going to fuck with them? <laughs> it doesn't need to exist. It does nothing to this episode. It could literally just be, oh, maybe he's just genetically disposed to this happening. And it's, you know, sometimes it happens in your, it tends to happen more around like your mid-20s, doesn't it? Uh, late 20s is usually when it starts to set in. Whereas he's definitely in like mid-30s at this point. But... Yeah, early to mid has to be. But I don't know. But yeah, it, it just, this plot point did not need to exist. It's completely, it, is no, it does nothing. Yeah. Nothing happens here. We don't see any more activity with the gate. We don't see any more travel. There, there's no, oh no, we really need to get over here and do this thing. But all activity with the gate is closed down. Ooh. That's why I wonder if this was a two-parter episode, if they would have had this be something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were too interested in not having any consequences. Yeah, so uh, they basically say that Daniel's going to be kept in solitary and observed, um, and uh, unless things get worse, in which case he'll have to be admitted. I'm, yeah, I'm just, I'm not even going to touch this with a 20-foot pole. I'm just out. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to go. Oh, this is where I said I feel like this step was in response to that terrible throwaway line from Sam in Toka Part 1 and about feeling schizophrenic, and I don't like it. <laughs> so we cut to Daniel's room where Jack and Daniel are playing chess, and Daniel soundly beats Jack and is actually disappointed with himself because he should have beat Jack two turns ago. <laughs> I just love the scene because Dan- uh, Jack's like, okay, can I play some gin? He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not very good at gin. Good. Get the cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do like that exchange. There's some good, despite all of the uh, bullshit in this episode, there's some little social moments between all of the team. They managed to get those bits in. I will never get over the relationship between Jack and Daniel. It's it's so good. You know, sometimes the show is good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 funny. Every week, it, it, I, I'm like always kind of rolling the dice every week to be like, okay, am I going <laughs> to like this show this week? <laughs> <laughs> and this episode was the dice landed on an edge. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But yeah, so uh, he's going to the closet to get some cards, and he hears the dialing again, 
and he's like a little weirded out so he goes over and like wrenches the door open to see if he's gonna like catch the wormhole being sneaky or something yeah as you love this <laughs> but there's no wormhole and he's like okay and he, he grabs some cards out and then he starts to come back and he sees that there's a gold just like sitting on jack's arm while jack starts shuffling the cards and daniel's trying to be like you okay, Jack? And Jack's like, yeah, why? <laughs> and he's just kind of like, he's definitely trying not, because, you know, I I understand where Daniel's coming from entirely here, because he's like, he doesn't want people to think he's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, if I can keep a handle on this, I can just take care of it myself, because he's very, he wants control, so he's just trying to control this situation. So he's just trying to be kind of like, He's just watching the gold on Jack's arm and trying to pretend like everything's fine. I'm not seeing anything. We're good. Just keep shuffling, Jack. But then he just, it goes a little too far when the gold appears to go into the back of Jack's neck. And then his eyes even glow. And Daniel loses it a little bit and like tries to grab the snake out of the back of his neck. And Jack's like, what are you doing? Somehow it must be cheaper. And better to do the CGI. And I understand that the CGI can be helpful for scenes like this, where you want to have more of a creepy element and a puppet yeah. doesn't always work to your advantage. I just couldn't feel anything <laughs> yeah, because of how bad that CGI is. I'm like, I'm like, okay, cool. I understand that you're trying to tell me that he's seeing this and believing it's real, but I'm looking at that and going, well, this looks like a shitty PS2 cutscene. Yeah, I was about to, I was literally so, about to say PS2. I'm not PS2 really graphics. falling for it. I understand that this is my problem, not the show, so I'm not holding it against the show. Yeah, but uh, we get another quick, soft little moment between Jack and Daniel where Jack, like, gently helps Daniel lay down on the ground while he goes to get help. Just the way he just gently gets Daniel down. But yeah, so then we, of course, cut to off-site in a big old white padded room. Where Daniel has been admitted off-site. The show is not interested in doing anything correctly here. I'm, I'm just, yeah. Involuntary commitment is totally a thing. I'm just going to move away from this subject now because it's problematic as fuck, and it's also not. The show doesn't show you any steps involved no. involved mm. in this process, so naturally they can just go. And now he's here. And it's like, okay, yeah. you're skipping a a lot you're you're also skipping some court and stuff yeah, like that that's, so that's why that, again that's why i feel like this episode should have been two episodes yeah but on the other hand it might have just been more time for them to continue to put some things where they they think they're doing a good job but it's like ooh, buddy yeah no involuntary so commitment know. is not just a five second procedure so no uh sorry but there is one thing that happens before before there is one thing that happens before we cut to the padded room that's very important. Uh, as Jack walks away after laying Daniel on the floor, we actually zoom in. It zooms in on Daniel's hand where we actually see just below the surface of his skin, like a little bit of movement, like a parasite or something is under there. Which is just always uncomfortable. I didn't like it in The Mummy and I don't like it here. Yeah, the good yeah, mummy, right? the original mm. mummy. The, the 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 good mummy the funny mummy they're not good movies but i think i think they're funny uh they are good movies eh, they're silly they're good movies the okay. first two. Oh yeah no we don't talk about the third one no the third one's terrible i saw it in theaters it was bad Ooh, yeah i'm there sorry was one good joke in the entire movie but yeah 
so this is when we know, oh, yeah, it's not, it's not a psychological thing. It's an actual thing from the fucking gate that they should have thought about before now. <laughs> I do think the timing of that is very good, though. That before we go to him being unwilling, unwillingly committed and that kind of, you know, against his will. I don't remember the term. You just used it. Oh, involuntary commitment. Involuntary. I can't think of words right now. I want to be in bed. I do think it's very important, the timing of the fact that before we actually see him involuntarily committed, the viewers at home get evidence that this is not what's actually happening in this episode. Yeah. I think that's a strong point. Yeah. That they don't leave you going, oh no, is this actually happening like this? Before it gets to that, the big padded room visual, before it gets to that big moment, the viewers at home at least get to know... Yeah, it's something alien. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, they're at the padded room, and uh, Daniel's much worse now, and the team are all visiting him. <laughs> and here's where I said, my note here is, Michael Shanks is a great actor, but the fact that they jump to this instead of trying to find a real explanation is rough for me to get past. Which is the entire, it's the entire, that could be my one note for this episode. <laughs> it's a great, he's a great actor, it gives him a lot of opportunity to show his acting merits, but they shouldn't have jumped to this conclusion first. There's no reason, after two, more than two years of this program being in effect, this should never have been your first assumption. Of what was happening here. Ever. So it's it's rough. Uh, but Daniel, he's trying to be subtle and like gentle about it where he's being like, yeah, they took my glasses so that I couldn't break them and hurt myself. I do think it's interesting that before he says hurt myself, he kind of just like nods his head like, you know, and you actually cut over and you see that Teal definitely does not know. Teal makes like a face where he doesn't get the, the inference. And then Daniel says, hurt myself. And then we cut to Sam, who just looks really upset. Yeah, no, she's not taking she this well. She does not like seeing Daniel like this. Uh, so Jack floats the idea that whatever brushed by Daniel in the Limbrous chamber has something to do with what's happening. But he doesn't really, which is like, yeah, yeah, you're on the right track, please. For the love of God, Jack, do more than float the idea. But no, we get interrupted by Daniel hearing footsteps and saying that someone's coming, and he starts freaking out, uh, and then sees one of the dead hosts behind his friends. So he tries to attack it and get it away from his friends, but they don't see it, obviously, so it almost seems like he's attacking them, although he very obviously is not attacking any of them. Right. He's, like, charging at empty space near them. Um, but Teal grabs a hold of them to, like, you know, get him under control, and at that moment, we see a little blue thing climb out of Daniel and go under Teal's skin. And Daniel immediately tries to be like, it went in Teal, it went in Teal. But obviously he's in a white padded room, so nobody's taking him seriously at this point. And, and then Daniel hears Michello's voice in his head saying, it has been delivered to the vile gold host. Yeah, I I have nothing against the organic recording thing. It's mm -hmm. it's just the concept of how the fuck is this an a how is this an effective method of of communicating these uh how is this an effective means of carting around these things to Goa Old if somebody just goes fucking batshit and spends their whole time 
crying in a corner because they're hearing footsteps. How does that get this thing closer to a Goa Wolds? I have so many questions. Well, um, I would say that the things that it's planted in are specifically hand devices for gold tablets. He's not expecting anyone who's not a gold wolf to be touching them. Well, that's what I'm saying. The episode even has dialogue that acknowledges that if it goes into a person that doesn't have a gold wolf, it'll make them act schizophrenic as I roll my eyes. And then there's a recording left there by Michelle that says, You have delivered me to the vile Goa Uld, which would assume, which would tell me that he's accounted for innocence getting in the way. But my thing is, then why did you make it do this thing to innocence? Or is it just a byproduct of your thing that, because you're trying to aim it at Goa Uld, it just the happenstance, um, hap- it, it just, if it gets into the wrong person, it will just cause this other shit instead. But then why has a recording? It's more just about having a, a thing that helps you figure out what's going on than yeah. it actually makes sense. Because it doesn't actually make sense when you um, think about it. Ultimately, I think the answer is it's just a byproduct. It was never intended. Yeah, in that case, why but... bother with a recording? Because if they're going to act like that, then they're probably not going to get any closer to a Goa Uld. Because what Goa old is gonna go near somebody who's acting like this uh the only thing i could possibly think um and this i don't think this is an answer i think this is just it was a a plot device to have us here because it doesn't make any sense for yeah. him to program that voice at all you're right but because i'm always determined to come up with something something um my answer would be if a human who is not a host or a Jaffa yet managed to accidentally get exposed to it, you would assume they are near gold because it's being used with a gold hand device, right? Right. So they are probably some sort of captive or slave. If a human captive or slave is acting erratic, someone has to be sent in to get them to calm down. Probably just a Jaffa, probably not a host, not a full gold. But that's still enough to infect someone. Yeah, I mean, it's not... I'm not saying that was his plan, because I don't think it was. I think that that little bit of recorded dialogue from Michello doesn't work when you actually think about this whole plot, but... <laughs> but it could be said. Yes, it could. It, it could work. Which is the only thing my devil's advocate corner is meant to do, ultimately. <laughs> well, yeah, no, from the uh, it could work standpoint, you are not wrong. I'm good at that. <laughs> it's my singular talent. Okay, yeah. So the team leave Daniel uh, and go back to SGC, and Teal'c uh, pretty much collapses immediately after getting back to like the control room area. Just collapses against the desk, um, and then we cut to Daniel remembering again and again, over and over again, Michello's saying inventions to fight the gold, uh, and he wakes up seemingly fine. This is actually the one where we see, where we get the really great shot of the um, shot of Daniel laying on his side in the padded room from a distance, and that sort of, like, wobbly, artfully wobbly zoom in to him on the floor. That really good shot from Peter Delaway's. But yeah, so that's when he, you know, wakes up and seems to be fine and starts calling for Dr. McKenzie. Back at SGC, Janet says that Teal's gold is dying and that he has, like, a day or two at most that that she doesn't have an exact time frame but probably not more than two maybe three days if they're lucky and they don't think it's related to daniel's issue because 
it's completely different symptoms, which is fair. Right. I will say that they all heard him shout that something went in Tilk's skin, yeah. and then shortly afterwards Tilk collapsed, so you should maybe look into that. But, again, they don't have the same symptoms, so it's it's fair. Um, so, back with Daniel, uh, McKinsey comes in with a whole slew of freaking orderlies. It's like, it's one man. I know he's kind of tall, but you don't need this many orderlies. Calm down. But... He's, like, coming in ready to talk down Daniel and, like, give him more drugs. And uh, Daniel's like, no, no, I'm, you, you already gave me too many drugs. I'm trying to get the drugs you gave me out of me so I can think more clearly. I'm fine now. Your drugs are the only problem right now. (laughs) And he's just, like, pacing and trying to think. And uh, if Mackenzie was familiar with Daniel at all, would be like, oh, he does seem very normal right now. Other than being a little out of it because of the drugs I've pumped him full of. But he's basically, he's like, look, is Teal'c sick right now? And McKenzie's like, I haven't been back to SGC. It's not really part of my interest right now. And uh, is very much just like, this is the scene where I was like, okay, McKenzie, you know, he's still a person. He's an adult. Like, <laughs> I know you are under under the impression that he is not in full control of his his uh faculties right now but it's like you could at least pretend to listen to him right and he eventually does but like to the bare minimum but it's just enough but daniel basically negotiates like okay fine you know i'm not gonna be able to he tries to explain the whole thing about michello and he's like no 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 michello's dead no one came to visit me and it's just not helping and daniel realizes that he's like okay you know what fine can you just do one thing for me can you call sgc and find out if Teal's sick. And if he is, can you send Jack here? And he at least does that much. Yeah. Because we cut back to SJC to find out that Mackenzie has called. We found out that Teal's is sick. And has asked that Jack come back to talk to Daniel. That's the part where I'm like, okay, kudos to Mackenzie. Because yes. he's not an asshole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the scene leading up to it kind of made it, it framed him like he was. But he ultimately did listen. And it probably because it was like, well, what's the fucking harm gonna be in calling SGC and yeah. asking if sick. It's a phone call. Right. Worst case, it's not like I'm you're saying, right. Well, you're right. I'm, I must automatically trust that you are not sick anymore and just let you out without any confirmation. It's it's a phone call. Yeah, right. Exactly. There's nothing legally Especially binding going on there. because at that point, he wasn't acting violently. It's exactly. like, that's where it's like, well, okay, yeah, you have to start kind of taking a step back. And he does. But... Jack comes in to see him, and Daniel explains his theory to Jack, which is basically that um, this is a invention uh, created by Michello to defeat gold, and it's you know some sort of uh, planted invisible attack against gold that transferred from Daniel into Teal'c, and now that it's got a gold larva to attack. It's actually just trying to do what it was originally meant to do. And it's just viable enough of an answer, especially since, you know, Daniel's very visibly acting a lot more like himself and not being off or anything now to get him let out. And he gets sent back to SGC. And as soon as they come back, Janet's like, look, we can't find signs of anything in Teal. Uh, You know, we've done like all of these scans. We, We don't see anything in him. And Sam also points out that the hosts that they found in that tunnel have been dead for a month, and Michello's been dead for six months. 
And um, Daniel suggests he planted something in the room before the meeting, and Jack compares it to a landmine. And uh, Daniel references the fact that, like, there's still landmines that are going off today in, like, France and that kind of stuff from uh, the World Wars and stuff, uh, which is a nice bit of historical fact. And they come up with the idea to look at um, the recorded pictures and, like, information of the things they got from Michello's lab to see if they recognize anything that might have been planted in that, that room. And they immediately notice that he has a whole bunch of those little hand devices to change the tablets. And they're like, why does he have so many of those? That doesn't make any That's sense. That's a lot of reading. Yeah. And uh, they're like, oh, well, we gotta, we gotta test this out and see if this is what it is. And Janet and Sam go into one of the decontam rooms, one of those uh, safely sealed rooms. And Jack is also in there for some reason, but not... <laughs> because the episode needed him to be. Yeah, needed that dramatic thing. Um, and Jack, uh, Janet and Sam are doing the gloves in the little sealed box, which is not anything new. They've, they've been the ones doing that before. And pretty much the same freaking thing happens. It's happened in Brief Candle where they get a breach. <laughs> Maybe they should stop doing this. <laughs> Maybe you should figure out a better containment seal since... Twice now, something alien has been able to get through it easily. Like, do the, do the barest amount of research to find a seal that works. Like, come on. You've been to enough planets. To get something from a cello's lab. Yep. Yeah, I mean, at least they were smart enough not to touch it with their own hands. Like, they learned from his other stuff, but still. Yeah, so ultimately they, uh, they get one of his little hand devices from his lab, and they test it by waving it over a tablet like Daniel had done with it. And ten of these little blue glowy things come out. And Janet's trying to grab one of them to, like, get a sample or something. And as she's trying to grab one, they start going through the gloves. I like how they even go through the plexiglass of the container yeah. itself. It's like, well, From that the, worked From the well. very corner seal. It's like, yeah, this is why you need to uh, do the barest minimum of getting better containments. <laughs> This is the second time. This better not fucking happen again, guys. Why don't they do any of this off-planet is my question. Go find a barren planet that's good for testing. Because they still want to have the containment and it'd be a lot of fucking money. Yeah, I know, know, but I feel like it'd be safer. For some, on some level, and then not as safe on another level. Oh, yeah, I know. But then you can just abandon them on the planet, too, and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I said... (laughs) You have access to Michella's whole lab. Can't you find something that's better containment at this point? Can't you talk to the Toker and be like, hey, do you have any better containment than what we have? Anything? This has been a breach twice now. This is a problem for us. Yeah, no, you're definitely not wrong. If we see something breach through their fucking box of gloves again, I'm gonna be sick of it. <laughs> well, yeah, that'll officially be a pattern. Yeah, it's like, no, you can't do this a third time. Stop. Uh, but yeah, so it gets out and it gets into Jack... Sam and Janet, and, like, multiple go into each of them, because there are ten of them, and there's only three people in that room. So, that's, and they're uh, trying to figure out, like, they seal off the room and everything. No one's allowed to go in. Uh, Janet says that since they got dosed with more than one, their symptoms will probably appear much faster than Daniel's did. Because uh, they, fi- they figured out that Daniel only had one in him because of the fact that when they did the thing over the tablet, ten came out. And they knew there were nine gold in the room, so there was one left, and that's the one that got in Daniel. So that's why they're like, oh, there's multiple in us when there was only one in Daniel, so our symptoms will happen a lot faster. 
And uh, this is where I have the line where I'm like, Jack apologizes for anything offensive he might do in the same breath that it, that he refers to it as going nuts. And I don't know if that was done on purpose or not. I also don't know if it's an artificial means of if it's an artificial condition set upon by artificial means are you allowed to call it nuts at that point yeah i don't know i don't know where the line's drawn um but yeah so after a minute um sam realizes she's not having any symptoms um and shortly after that they all fall out of her ear like dead yerks yeah it just gives me wrath of khan vibes and not in a good way I like how you go uh, Star Trek and I go Animorphs. We stay true to ourselves. Listen, I had to watch that terrible uh, TV show for the Animorphs, Ooh. so uh, those horrific representations of Yerks are are emblazoned in my brain. Lovely. From my childhood. It's Absolutely rough. Absolutely lovely. Um, but yeah, so they're dead. And she says she heard Michello's voice. See, this is the recording that makes sense for these things to have. She said she heard Michello's voice saying that her gold ca- captor was dead. And they've theorized that the protein marker released after a gold dies, which actually, this is a great little plant. This is a, a little miniature Chekhov's gun in this episode. Because at the beginning of this episode, they mention the protein marker that's left in a host when the gold dies before the host. Um, when they were talking about how they knew that the gold host that they found in that locked room had died before the hosts. Yep. Because they had the same protein marker as Sam. So that's a nice little mini Chekhov's gun there. Yeah. But yeah, so they theorize that the protein marker released after a gold dies in you uh, might be the trigger to, you know, have those things die and, and drop out of you. But Daniel, and this is the part, <laughs> this is my biggest, so like the one where it's like, well, in a couple seasons, uh, there's going to be an episode that forgets that this thing said Daniel didn't have any family with uh, mental issues. But this one's the one where it's like, really? Really, dude? So, uh, <sighs> Daniel says that Jack should also be immune because in the Hathor episode we just recently had, he also had a gold in him that died. And this is where Tor Alexander Valenza just decides to make shit up. Yeah. And says, no, no, no. The gold left Jack's body before it died in that instance. And I'm like, since when? Yeah, when was that established? That was never told to us in the episode. Ever. It wasn't even inferred. Yeah, the whole point was that we he had to fight it. He had to be put into the... Yeah. the the cryo, because the cryo would kill it. And that he had to fight it in the meantime. That was something said by Ellen, the Tok'ra lady. Yeah. Fight it, I was O'Neil. just like, this is, this is some bullshit, Tor Alexander. This is some bullshit. Yeah, I know, retcon all you I know want, you but... Want, I know you want one member of your team to have the, the magic sensing powers and the ability to use the, the gloves and everything, but this is some bullshit. I was just so mad about that. <laughs> yeah, no, that I also did notice that. I'm just like, um, sorry, since when? Yeah, my note literally says since when? <laughs> but yeah, so uh, for some bullshit reason, Jack is not immune to this. Uh, then the other doctor who I, <laughs> I, I owe him an apology because I, uh, when he first got introduced, I thought he was McKenzie. 
And because this episode made me not like Mackenzie, I did not like him either. And I realize now he's not Mackenzie. He's just another doctor who works here that I don't remember the name of. But he's in the same observation room with Daniel and Hammond. And he's basically like, because uh, Sam's like, well, can we just like take my blood and inject it in everyone who's got, you know, these things in, in them? And the doctor's like, no, because you don't have the same blood type. Right. And she's like, well, why don't, can we just like, you know, extract the protein? He's like, uh, not in any timely manner. <laughs> the, the steps you would have to take to find the exact protein you needed to find, if it's oh, like, I think he said like weeks or even months of work. Yeah, it, it takes a while. And then she's like, well, there's got to be something. I and do love how she's like, it. there's all this stuff in here. Yeah, and that, that was a great line. She's just, like, gesturing, like, angrily at all the stuff in front of her. Like, there's all this stuff here. Something has to be useful. At which point Janet speaks up. Um, she's she's not having a good time. I do like that, like, she's kind of, like, having, like, you know, like, having some actual, like, audible, vis- visible reactions, whereas Jack's response to getting inf- infected by this thing is just to curl up in a ball. Yeah, and he just... goes fetal position. <laughs> Mood. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that'd be me. <laughs> but even through all of her struggles, Janet might, manages to come up with an answer for Sam, where uh, she basically says to, you know, extract some of her blood and put it in a centrifuge so that the centrifuge will separate the red blood cells, which is the part of the blood that's incompatible between people. Sure. (laughs) And then, like, she'll use dry ice to, like, something to do with freezing. They don't explain this part very much. (laughs) They just happen to have a shit ton of dry ice on hand. Um, Sam misuses a centrifuge. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and they do some very clearly not real injections. Yeah, definitely. But basically, because uh, we actually cut after she finds out there's dry ice and we don't see all of the other stuff. Because the, the other doctor says, okay, Sam, from what Janet, you know, helps set up, I can talk you through this, but you have to do exactly what I say. And we cut to black so we don't have to hear all of the things he wants her to do. <laughs> Because this episode's so five cut, minutes from being over. Exactly. So we cut back in, and he's finished talking Sam through making the um, antidote. And Sam immediately injects Janet first. Yeah. Which, on one hand, makes sense. Get the doctor up and running. But it's also kind Because it's so... I, it's such a funny response, because the doctor in the observation room with Daniel specifically said, choose who you want to inject first. So it kind of felt like a slight against Jack. Like, you can sit curled up there for longer, Jack. Well, see, we, we see where Jack rates, yeah. <laughs> oh, rough. Listen, she's got to make sure her co-mom for Cassandra is okay. Right, otherwise she's a single parent, and that's just hard. That's rough, especially when she has to do off-world shit. She needs to have that home mom. Uh, but yeah, so she she gets uh, Janet injected, then she goes over to Jack and injects him, and Jack says, you look terrible, and she's like, thank you, sir. Probably referring to the fact that she looks like her eyes are glowing. Yeah, I'm assuming he was seeing something horrific, or maybe he was seeing them, like, uh, seeing her like the mummy guys from the... From or the, that, yeah, yeah like, there you go. Had, yeah. I-, I assumed he was seeing something but i just love how she didn't even blink she's just like thank you sir (laughs) yeah yes thank you (laughs) um so janet and jack get fixed everyone smiles congratulatory at everybody else (laughs) 
They, they actually linger on everybody, like, smiling and nodding at everyone else, like, yeah, we solved it. Yeah, that goes on for entirely too long. I know. And they're like, okay, well, we have to try this on Teal'c. And Janet says, like, you know, this same trick might not work with Teal'c because while he'll have the protein telling it that, you know, the gold died, he'll still have a larva in him. Right? Like, we'll have to see how smart these things are. Yeah. And apparently not smart enough because it works and Teal'c is alive. And, and okay, don't even ask me how these things were killing his symbiote from his head because they fall from his ear as well. And I'm like, whatever, make I'm, any out. Sense. I'm out, I'm out. Yeah, it's I, I, I can only help this episode so much, all right? <laughs> but that's, we fade out on that. All right, so, so, uh, nobody died in this episode. No, Teal did a make a go of it, yeah. I think it's interesting how, um... This show fluctuates between Teal'c being the only one not affected when things go wrong <laughs> to being, to the, Teal'c only being one. the only one who is affected. I think it's interesting how you can go down both paths. I think it's specious. <laughs> <sighs> so before we uh, figure the action, the real question of this episode out, uh, are you a Jack or are you a Daniel? Um, I think I'm a Jack. I was trying to think about it and I think I'm just a Jack because... I also flirt back and forth with being respectful and disrespectful in the same sentence. Um, and I just don't agree with the Daniel storyline as much, so I just don't really <laughs> want to go down that route. Also, I know for a fact that I'd be handling it differently. Not like I'd be handling it better. I would just be handling it much more. You know, like, as soon as my, stuff, my body starts betraying me, I get pissed. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, well, fuck you too. I mean, like, as you know, I shattered my elbow when I was a kid. Yes. It means that I can't um, lift as heavy of materials with my right arm as I can with my left arm. Big whoop. But every now and then I forget that. So I'll like, try to lift like a bin or something. And my arm will just kind of like give out a little bit. And I'm like looking down at my arm just going, wow, fuck you too. And I just get, <laughs> you know, irrationally annoyed and cranky about it. And that's just kind of me on a regular basis when, I, when my body doesn't do what it's supposed to do. So if, if I started, you know, rapidly going downhill with auditory and visual hallucinations, I wouldn't be going crazy like in that respect of like, oh my god, there's a gold and you, you need to get it out. I'd be like, motherfucker, I'm seeing shit that fucking isn't there and I hate life. <laughs> I mean, I would just be angry on top of also then going delusional because I, you know, I say that as if I wouldn't be thinking these are real things I'm seeing. I just wouldn't be handling it as well as Daniel. There would just be a lot of other stuff going on. So I think I'm just more Jack in this respect. See, I, I feel like for honestly almost the exact opposite reason that I'm also a Jack, just because, like, if I was experiencing those kind of side effects, rather than being loud about it and trying to, like, get people to notice or whatever, I think I would go down the route of what Jack did and just be like, I'm just gonna lay down until it stops happening. <laughs> that just sounds go like a fetal. great solution. Yes. Okay. Like, oh, okay, okay I'm hearing things that are definitely not here. Uh, no one else is reacting to this. I think it's born of the same, um, my same paranoia of ever possibly, you know, getting sent back in time and, like, having to figure that out. Like, the, the from the pilot of Life on, Life on Mars, right. where he has that freak out in the, uh, the precinct, yeah. where he's like, where's my desk? And everything else, like, I was in his, his position, I would keep dead silent until I figured out what the fuck was going on, because right, yeah. I don't want anyone looking at me weird. So that's why... If I was infected by that thing, I would have done Jack's thing and be like, I'm just gonna curl up in a ball 
on the floor and just not be here anymore. Thanks. No, I bye. do. I, I do. I have to say there is a, quite a lot of appeal in going fetal. So yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. I just I and I don't think I would. I just don't think I would react the same way Daniel would to everything that was happening. There you go. It's definitely one of those instances where it's like you can say how you think you would react to a thing, but that doesn't necessarily mean you know. It's kind of like recently we were talking about how um, how when people you know get choked out, they go unconscious way too quickly. Oh right, in movies yeah. And TV shows, yeah. And how I've always thought, and I always and I always preface this by saying, granted. Who knows if I'd be able to do this if it actually happened. But anytime I see this, I'm always like, fake passing out sooner. Yeah. Why has no one ever done that? No, trust me, I do that too in my head. I'm mentally screaming. Just pretend. Why are you... It's like, they never check. <laughs> in movies and TV shows, they never check. Oh, they passed out in five seconds. Must be real. <laughs> yep. Just pretend. Because even if, even if, like, they do check... They would only realize that, oh, you're not dead. They wouldn't realize that, oh, they're faking being unconscious, you know? So I think it's in the same vein. Just kind of like, well, you know, I, I couldn't know for certain how I'd actually react in that situation, but I don't think I would react in the same way Daniel did. So I really felt for uh, Jack's fetal position. <laughs> so here's here's the real question of this episode. How's our Joaquin Phoenix feeling? Ugh. I mean, I honestly kind of want to give it a meh. I'm leaning towards that. I don't think it's bad. It's not bad, but it's really not there good. Are bad elements, and he wanted to tell a different story than he told, ultimately, is the problem. And Deloise does his best. You know, he's doing his best, but he oh, can. He does some great shots. Yeah, in he here. can't keep this thing afloat, sadly. No. Honestly, on that note, do we want to give Deloise another Hall of Fame? Eh, I think a better episode would be worthy of it. I don't really think this is. Hall of Fame worthy. Alright. There's some good shots, but yeah. I was just thinking of asking because of the fact that that one zoom in on the uh, padded floor is a scene that, like, has existed in my head since I saw it. Gotcha. Like, that is that is one of those shots. It's kind of like when I realized in the uh, episode with the, the Ritu, um, when there's that shot of um, Jacob extending his hand to the boy in front of the gate. And it's that really well-framed shot where you see both of their hands holding each other right in front of the gate from a distance. That's another image that has, like... And I didn't realize it was in that episode, but when I saw it, I was like, oh my god, that image! Like, there's certain images from the show that just stay there, you know? Yeah. Which makes sense. That was another Peter Nellwees. <laughs> he makes very iconic images. Yeah, he, uh, he, he likes to move the camera. He does good things with yeah. it, man. There was another, I can't think of what it is anymore, but there was another moment in um, in this episode where there was some really great camera movement, where it was like following something, and I can't remember what it was anymore, sadly, but we did good with it. I think it's good time for us to wrap this up. Yeah. Honestly, we did really good. This is only a two-hour recording. That is it for this week. While parts of this episode were a struggle, <laughs> next week... We are going to be covering Season 3, Episode 5, Learning Curve. Oh, yeah, that was an okay episode. I feel like, ooh, ooh, I can't wait for Episode 6. You know what Episode 6 is? No, I haven't seen that far ahead. Point of View. Oh, that'll be fun. I love Point of View. I do like Point of View, so, yeah. I don't, I don't, I genuinely, looking at the synopsis for a Learning Curve, I don't remember it. I'm sure as soon as it starts, it'll be like this one, where I'm like, oh, it's this oh, one. Oh, yeah, it's that. 
But looking at the synopsis, I can't remember. But I, I am looking forward to Point of View and Dead Man Switch. Those are those are fun ones. Awesome. But that is it for this week. If you want to get a hold of us, you can find me on Twitter at It's Mel Not List or our podcast Twitter at Point of Origin PC. You can also email us at pointoforigincast at gmail.com or write something on the side of a tissue box and toss it through the nearest wormhole. You can find links to things we talked about during the show in the show notes. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Thank you for joining us on our incursion through the iris. And until next time. Bye.